Let's see. Hey everybody, this is Sensei Anthony coming to you with another episode of the Karate Chronicles. Today I have a guest. So, I uh, can't wait to get started. Hope you're staying sane, safe, and sanitary out there. That being said, let's just go ahead and get started. So, right off Sensei, thank you for coming. It's a long time away in Ireland. See, I've got my other phone here, so uh, go ahead and tell the folks who you are. Um, my name is Sensei Emma Doyle, and I'm an instructor in a system called Shinken Goshen Jitsu, which is a hybrid art was from the 60s, uh, karate sensei and a judo sensei. And the two of them kind of blended the two together and designed this system. And saying that, it has progressed and evolved a lot over the last 60 years, with many instructors coming on from other styles, of, such as Aikido, we've had some craft guy. Right. And more recent times, a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu found its way into the system, so it's constantly evolving and changing. Very and, uh, good. It's actually what drew me to that. Um, originally, I started in boxing, kickboxing, uh-huh. and kind of grew up doing that through my teens and competed and all, all the rest. But then uh, I did Jiu-Jitsu and got a big interest in that, and then came along to this system. And just because of how much of evolving was in it, and how it was open to ideas from everything else, right? Just, I really found a home here, and that's kind of where I've stuck since. But very cool, very cool. It's funny because I was going to ask you how long you've been practicing, but you said you've been boxing and stuff for your teens, which is very cool. Um, I started when I was a little boy as well. My father's an instructor, so. I've been at this, I'll be 45 this month, so it's been like 41 years and some change, like this is all I kind of grew up in. Uh, and it's cool because, especially when people are from other countries, like I'm a Kempo stylist, and these days that means jack shite, as you guys would say out there, <laughs> it, means absolutely it means absolutely nothing to you guys or anybody in the world these days, but it's because the McDojo factor has come overwhelmingly into Kempo. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but there was a guy who popularized it in America. And when he died, his oldest son, you know, traditionally speaking, would be heir apparent to the Kempo throne. But the problem was there were people that were studying with his father before he was born, and they were all squabbling. And it just got ugly, and it got petty. So thankfully, my father's instructor, even though he was a black belt under Ed Parker. He also had a Golden Gloves boxing background and he had some lower back injuries so he didn't kick the same way that other people did. So we've been evolving since the early 60s in terms of our martial arts stuff and you know, glad to say that we teach the real Kempo, not the watered down, commercialized stuff that you see that embarrasses us. <laughs> to no end. It's like, oh, please stop showing this. You know, it's the worst. It's, it's unbelievable how March starts, especially in the last maybe 30 years, has got so financially based. It's about making as much money as possible and people have just, especially instructors, they've really just thought about money and there's no thought for the students anymore. It's just how much can I get from them right. in the shortest period of time. It's, it's sad, man, because people, I've talked to dozens of instructors that have talked about how difficult their training was and how hardcore it was and all of this and they talk about how it served them 
later on in life and how they're glad they learned that way. And then the first opportunity they get when they open their school is, you know, they have junior black belts and all this nonsense. It's like you're robbing these kids of the exact same lessons that you live and swear by yourself. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of sad that way, I think. Because it definitely is now. I keep telling my daughter now, she's 15 now, and uh, she's a judoka. Mm-hmm. But I was telling her during my teens, at her age, we would have been out doing breakfalls and throws on concrete. Oh, yeah. And I said, now they've got the big, thick crash mats. And I said, it's all well and good, the health and safety and all that kind of thing, but the training is so diluted down over the years as well. Right. It's It's sad to see because people act like you're doing people a disservice by making it hard. Like, anyone can do it, but not everybody should be able to achieve black belt rank. I mean, they should yeah. be able to, but I just don't feel like that's in the best interest of people studying martial arts. Like, if it was one size fits all, if it was for everybody, there wouldn't be such places as Harvard and Oxford because they speak to a different level of person or at least a different level of commitment, right? And these days, people act like you're cussing somebody out by saying it should be harder. So it's sad to me. Um, I love judo, and it's funny because even though I was born and raised primarily as a striker, I've said if I could teach one art to everyone, especially girls, um, it would be judo. Because the idea of being up in someone's face and being chest to chest, that's just where it starts to get interesting. You know, you're like, okay, (laughs) now I'm comfortable in this fight, you know. My daughter is five foot seven with no signs of growing, but she's only about that big around. She's a skinny little thing. And, you know, we're going to start with jujitsu and some judo stuff because she can already kick and punch, but I wanted to get that explosive power that judo gives you, you know, that commitment to all or not. Because, as you know, some of the throws, if you don't throw them, you're in the perfect position to them to throw you with the exact same throw, right? Like, if you do a lazy sotogari, Hello, Sota got you right back because you don't commit. So I wanted to get used to that kind of rough and tumble feeling. And she's getting there. She's, you know, sweet little thing. But, you know, we're getting her there. So. Yeah, <laughs> as, I, as I always say to my kids now, I said, you can train to move out of the way of a punch coming towards you. But it's very hard to move out of the way when the ground's moving towards you. It's, <laughs> my, uh, it's, it's, the greatest, it's the greatest defense. It's, I had a judo instructor tell me that, he says, you karate guys, you know, all you want to do is hit people. We hit people with the planet. It'll be there. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's always down there, you know. It works now. It does. In the, as I said before, we used to train on concrete. That When you get thrown on that and you land on your back, you're not going to get up very quick. It's, it really mm-hmm. takes the wind out of you. And it's... For a self-defense situation, it's perfect because it is going to give you that five to ten seconds to get away before they Absolutely. get back The beauty of it is that some people can take a good punch, but once all your air escapes your body, no one jumps up after being, you know, planted into the ground that way, and that's if they decide not to go down with you, you know. So I love judo, and I personally think that the choke is the king of all defense because no one's tough enough to handle no air in the brain, right? You just, yeah. <laughs> or no blood in the brain, you just pass out. Like that's, it is what it is. So I love that aspect of it and I wish more people could get into that. Um, luckily, the way I learned karate was, it's like the old Okinawan way. 
where it had the wrestling and the joint locks and all of that included. So I've had people accuse me of doing, you know, trying to be passing off karate as MMA training. And I'm like, it's not. This is just what real karate looks like. If you, if you even study the katas, you see the elbows, the knees, the foot sweeps, all of this kind of stuff, but people don't learn that. And it's sad because they're really cheating themselves out of a really rich part of the art, you know? And it's like a library. All your system's techniques are in there. You just have to know what you're looking at and really practice it. Um, But my girlfriend and I, we watch some MMA matches, and she's seen judo, and she goes, why don't they just foot sweep her? Why don't they use more of this? And I go, it's because of limited thinking, you know? Do you you watch a lot of MMA, or do you you know, roll around with those guys, or? A lot of, but now I was trained, I have a very big habit of just training in gyms all over the place. If I decided I wanted to train tonight, I just online search where's local. Right. That's very cool. It would be in MMA clubs, it would be judo clubs, karate clubs. Yeah. Just, if I'm in the mood to train and none of our own dojos are open that, that evening, I'll go elsewhere and just, cross train and, and uh, the, the thing around where I'm living here now is there is actually not a lot of gyms right and uh, dojos so you get to know all the, the martial arts guys right. very well so it's, it's even all the MMA guys and the traditional guys would all train together anyway very so it's, cool it's very, it's very unusual compared to other parts of the world so Right, which is unfortunate because all arts used to be integrated. There was no separation, but like I was explaining to my girlfriend and and our daughter, I said, you know, when karate was brought from Okinawa to Japan, they only brought the striking aspects because Japan and the mainland already had sumo and jiu-jitsu and judo and aiki jiu-jitsu and all this kind of stuff. They just wanted to have the striking part to counteract the balance uh, or the popularity, the rising popularity of boxing. So, you know, having been able, having been fortunate enough to learn the old way, I love doing the foot sweeps and the throws, and people are so unprepared for it, you know, it's like, they just never see it coming, so I really enjoy that part, and I teach that to my kids, I've only had this gym open for, uh, how long has it been, seven months now, seven months, this, you know, this particular dojo, but, you know, as soon as they get to their first belt, like we have stripes so my best kids are still probably five months away from their first promotion but when we get in the orange belt then we'll start working into gripping I have them doing tumbling and break falling now but I'm gonna teach them some rudimentary uh, you know gripping techniques and you can really shut a person yeah. down with good gripping if you know what you're doing you know so very cool so have you rolled around with the guys with the, at the Straight Blast gym? Uh, was named John Cavanaugh and those guys, or are they on a different part of the island? No, they're quite a distance away now. They'd be about a five-hour drive away, but Oof. So I haven't actually got down down there yet. But I have some of my students have been down. There's there's a local Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu club. It'd be five minutes drive from my home. Nice. And Very. A lot of few of the students would train in both clubs, mm-hmm. and. One or two of them have went down to Straight Blast and trained with John Cavanaugh. And, uh, I think they actually attended a striking class with Conor McGregor while they were down there. So. Right. But I haven't actually got down myself yet. 
it's on the bucket list. There you go. That's right. You know, it's um, when things open up here, I want to really get heavily more into jujitsu because I know quite a few black belts of, I know several of Hal Grace's black belts. I know, like I know quite a few of them here because in California, it's this is like the mecca of jujitsu and mixed martial arts. And while I still run a very traditional school, I'm not one of those people that thinks that I know everything or that somebody else doesn't have something to offer me even after all this time, you know? Yeah. I, it's, I think California's, it's great for it since the Gracie's kind of moved to there directly from Brazil, like, so it's still got a very big interest around Hickson and Boring and that. They'd still be very best around California, I suppose. Right. Um, all of, well, not all of them, but quite a few of them are in California, New York, um, I can't think of any Gracies who aren't in California or in New York, you know. <laughs> Penzo is in New York, of course, I and mean, they've got a ton of great schools out there, Marcelo Garcia, you know, people like that, but California's got, you know, Horion and Hoyce and uh, all their direct, you know, students, Half, Caesar, um, Cron, I mean, there's just tons of them, Clark, all, you know, there's a ton of these guys up here, so... The question is, who do you really want to learn from? And I'm kind of up in the air about that because it's getting, I think, almost faster than any art. I think jujitsu has become sportified, like really yeah. badly. And I'm thankful that I have real self-defense training behind me because people want to learn Birambolo sweeps and all this kind of stuff, but they're not learning that if, if a person can headbutt you, that's a terrible idea, you know? it's. When I first started learning, my cousin started learning from Hoist between the first and second UFC. And whenever we grappled, he would, he would hold his hand like this and cut my chin. And I'm like, why do you always do that? And he'd say, it's to keep the person from headbutting you. I'm like, I'm not gonna headbutt you, I'm your cousin. But you know, that kind of, that training was ingrained. It was very much meat and potatoes. It wasn't fancy sweeps and it was really just scissor sweeps, flower sweeps, very basic stuff that you just work, 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 and it's not like that anymore. You know, people don't even practice closing on a striking opponent anymore. They start from their knees only all the time. Yeah. And that's detrimental. You know, I know why people do it, but you, the whole idea is you have to go from where you are to where they are, you know? <laughs> you have to do yeah, it without getting hurt. Yeah. I know Hickson has done a, a lot in the last maybe two, three years, trying to move back to the self-defense and kind of give a a more sort of rounded version of the art and continue yeah. to go back to the root of it. And uh, there's some great programs going at the minute. It's yeah. really taken on online. Yeah. And uh, great programs going on there. So hopefully it will come back to what it originally was and it'll have the, the option of going either way, I suppose, the self-defense or the sporting sport. Look, there's a lot in the sport that be honest, if you don't on the street for self-defense, you're looking at jail time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because it's only been 20, not even 30 years, but a lot of people don't even know who the Gracies are anymore. Yeah. If they're not competitive Gracies, you know, like people don't know that Hickson was, he was tapping out Hoist with his hands tied in his belt, even when Hoist is winning the UFCs. You know, he was, yeah. um, when I was down in Torrance, Helson was there with uh, their father, and he goes, yeah, Hoist is still doing, he's doing pretty good, but, you know, we can still show him a thing or two, and he didn't say anything, he was like, mm. 
Like he knew that that was the case, you know, because Helson specifically was a street fighter, and he, <laughs> in his mind, he didn't have that many fights. But in regular humanity's mind, it's like, dude, you are fighting all the time. Him and Henzo yeah. and Half. It's like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> are you always fighting? You know. But, uh, you know, it's there's a little something for everybody out there, I guess. But I would really like to see jujitsu and all the other arts return to the self-defense focus as a base. And then anything else you want to learn is great, you know. But I'd really like to see people really get into the essence of martial arts, which is always self-defense and, and character improvement. Yeah. So. We'll see how it goes. I'm trying to teach to my kids. It sounds like you're trying to teach it to your students. So, you know, there's two of us. <laughs> two of us, two of us. We'll get there eventually. But let's go back to the rich. That's right. So. so, as a martial artist, what would you say is your favorite portion of the training? Like, what parts do you like to train most? I, I love sparring. I just love getting on the mats and, and just testing it out. And... Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things to actually do is I sit before I go to different clubs and train in different dojos and mm -hmm. basically take what I've learned from my own dojo and go on and test it against someone Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or go and train against a karate guy or a judo guy and just see how it stands up, Right. see how they're dealing with it and then go back to my own dojo and deal with the other instructors and say, right, I tried this with the judoka last night and this is what he done, it didn't work. And then work around it and try to improve. Right. And uh, again, that brings back the evolving of our own system and right. kind of improving on it. And eventually we will get, get it to work against <laughs> Jadoka, but, <laughs> but, but uh, no, I love pressure testing things and actually getting hands on and sparring. It's yeah. I told my girlfriend, I said, one of the things I want to do is if Khabib comes back to train in San Jose, which is only like half an hour south of where we live, I said, I would love to get mauled by Khabib. Not because I think it's funny, but you see him fight people and they've got this look on their face like, I have no answer for this. Like, I want to know what that feels like. Like, I've been crushed under jujitsu guys that were really good and then they're really big. And, and I just knew that I couldn't move, but these guys have a whole different look on their face. Like, I have no answer for this, like nothing. I just want to know what that feels like. So I'm looking to get beat up by some monstrous wrestling machine. <laughs> I think it's one of those things we all want. Like it's, it's kind of like you, you want to be armbarred by Ronda Rousey or right. know, a left hook, Conor McGregor. It's, it's one of those things we all would, would love to experience just to see if it is what it looks like it is. So it's, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it would be fun. <laughs> I told him, I said, I, I told my girlfriend, I, said, I have no illusions of this turning out any differently than it's turned out for anybody else. As a matter of fact, it'll taste less time. You know, those kids are younger than me and studied more wrestling than I do. But I just want to see what it's like to be absolutely physically nullified when you're, when you're resisting, you know, because I think that people have to feel that. Most yeah. people have never been in the deep end of the pool and they fall apart the second it even starts to veer in that direction and that's sad because people's training should be protecting them against that you know when I spar yeah. I try to develop the things that I'm least skilled at you work the things you're good at on your own and training you do the things that you're not good at to develop those skills and I think people can't leave their ego aside so they don't want to lose in training they don't want to 
they don't want to be seen as not that good kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it, it, I think it's detrimental to people's training. Um, Israel Adesanya, he said, I get beat up in the gym every single day. He just doesn't lose when it matters. And that guy's a genius level striker. I mean, that guy's on a different yeah. level and it shows. But he says, I get beat up in the gym all the time because he's probably not doing what he's best at. He's doing what he needs to work on. And when it doesn't work, you get, you know, a fist in the mouth. <laughs> so. That's it. That is. Because I remember I was chatting about three years ago to a kickboxing world champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying that he was regularly getting beat up in the gym. Yeah. There was, was about 10 guys in the gym that he could never beat. But he said he was world champion. Right. Said, Those guys never competed, but they run the gym every day training. And he said, there's so many guys out there that are killing machines. Yep. But have never stepped in a ring. And it's, no one knows who they are. It's just, they're in every gym. Oh, yeah. There's somebody in every gym that's like, look at John Donaher. You know, his guys are leg lock. I mean, they call him the Donaher Death Squad, you know, his grappling team. And he's never competed, I don't think. But everybody knows that his mind for jiu-jitsu and his understanding of it, he's, he's cultivated a whole generation of champions now, you know, at the highest level. So, like you said, there's some of those guys in every gym. So when you see the, the quiet, smiling guy, it's like, yeah, I don't want that problem, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, um, it's cool, though. I mean, when I saw your comment on YouTube, I was just kind of putting this stuff up there because I wanted my kids to, you know, have a little spotlight and shine. So did it come across your feed or were you looking for something? I'm just curious how you found them. Uh, it's, it's, I think I subscribed to you about a week earlier and it just came up on the feed then because like, of a new upload. But uh, yeah. it was a great video now. Well, I but, appreciate uh, that. I'm trying to get my kids to... Um, get used to the idea of performing also when people are looking at them, you know, not just something that they hide away. But I also want to do it as a part of my legacy. You know, I have a daughter, so it's not like it's going to travel through the bloodline son to son the way they did in the old days. My daughter will do it, but I want her to be able to remember, oh my God, look how whatever I was back in the good old days, you know, that's, that's a value that this generation has that other generations wouldn't. You know, people can tell you you look just like your great aunt. Now people will be able to not just see what their family looked like, they'll be able to hear what they were like, able to see how they trained. So, you know, for me, it's just kind of like a photo album of bringing up these kids all the way through the system, right? So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know. And, hey, if it's reaching all the way out there in Ireland, that's a good sign, too. You know, martial arts is a global community for real. So I, uh, yeah. I'm just glad that... We got a chance to talk. I would love to just reach out to find other senseis and bring them all in and, you know, share what we know because there's, between all of us, we have all the answers. <laughs> you just have to find somebody who's willing to tell somebody else, right? So, that's it, yeah. I mean, it's like, you mentioned that you love the pressure, the pressure testing, which I do as yeah. well. What is the main skill that you want to develop? Probably my grappling or my groundwork. It's, I think because I sort of grew, grew up being a striker and kickboxing, boxing, and and competed in that. And then when I came into the jiu-jitsu, it was kind of a whole new aspect. And even though I've probably been in that longer now, right. I've still got the kind of base as a striker. Yes. So it's kind of, 
I've always tried to overcompensate them with the grappling to kind of catch up. Right. But uh, anybody that knows me now would probably say my grappling's far superior to my striking, but I still feel like I need to work more on it. Right, right, right. I um I was telling my girlfriend this morning that if we're talking about jujitsu from the aspect of you can't punch, I go, my jujitsu's terrible. Now, when I use jujitsu in fighting, I know how to fight. Like if someone tackles me, I put them in my guard. In a self-defense situation, I'm going to pin their hands and tiger claw them across the face. And then I'll sweep them. But, you know, without this tiger clawing part, <laughs> my straight sport grappling is horrible. I know how to fight, so I know how to use jujitsu in a fight. But if I had to go out there and compete, it would be a chokathon. <laughs> it wouldn't be that bad. But uh, I was lucky. I had a cousin who was basically a purple belt under House and Caesar. Um, yeah. So I've had a chance to roll with him a lot, and it was humbling every single time. But what it did was it developed my defense. So sometimes you don't have to get the person right away. You just have to let them tire themselves out trying to get you, and then you can maybe attack them a little. But my worst thing by far is my sports grappling. I have no no delusion about that, you know, but I'm, I'm going to bring a jiu-jitsu instructor into the school once that's optional, once that's an option, so yeah. my sport grappling is terrible. Um, what's your favorite punch? Probably the hammer fist now. It's effective. I love hammer fist. It's effective from every position. It's yes, yes, yes. And I think it's underrated. You know, I, I like the back fist. And people yeah. say, why do you do that? I go, because you can hit someone in the tip of the nose, the butt of the jaw, the rib cage, the inside of the thigh. It hurts everywhere, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I love the back fist. And um, I'm, I'm right-handed, but I box like a southpaw because I like to hit the liver. I've always yeah. been a body... I've always favored body punching. And I teach it to my students because... This is not a good club overall. You know, people are headhunters. But if you hit the body, as you know, it'll take the life out of you, you know? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, it's, it, saved, it saved me a few years ago now, but uh, I actually got involved in a white-collar boxing charity thing for the local football club. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they warned me before I went in, no kicking, no throwing. <laughs> it's, it's just boxing. Right. So uh, I think that was so much in my head. And... I was about 32, 31, 32 at the time, and wasn't in the best of shape. Right. And I uh, had to fight an 18-year-old guy. <laughs> quite, but uh, it was three five-minute rounds, and near the end of the third round, I was gassed out. It was <laughs> just, and uh, it was starting to get the better. Right. And one liver punch, and it was the last two minutes of the fight. Oh. He couldn't breathe. Oh. He couldn't breathe, and all I had to do was stay out of his distance, and I was safe, but <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very close call, but, it was, but uh, there, there's a lot to be said for body shots at times, oh, yeah. especially with your opponent. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll change your life. I, um, I used to watch boxing on the Spanish channel, because, you know, Latino fighters are notorious body punchers, you know, so I used to like to watch... Julio Cesar Chavez or uh, Roberto Duran or these other legendary body punchers. And I would see that after they fought people, people weren't the same anymore. Like, it took their heart away. And I didn't understand that until I fought a really good body punch. And I'm like, hmm, 
I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, like, in my mind, I was in the fight thinking, well, in the match, I'm thinking, I really don't like this. You know, <laughs> This is hurting way more than it's supposed to. Like, I'm supposed to be throwing punches. You're supposed to be taking them. Mm-mm. He was landing body shots and every single one just it's like watching your energy bar go down in a video game right you just saw it just going mm, 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 mm. by the end of the match i was like this is this is horrible this is a young man's game <laughs> i don't want to do this anymore so it uh. gave my daughter the biggest confidence boost there about a year ago there's one of our instructors now he's he's been in our city and mm-hmm. he's i'd say he's about six two he's quite a big guy he was teaching the seminar and had my daughter out and doing a bit of sparring. And uh, obviously she wasn't going to do much damage. Or, but uh, during, between the rounds, she came out and I said, how does liver? Ooh. And uh, she got it to And I mean, she really took the wind out of him and he could barely go on after. Like, but, yeah. Uh, it doesn't afterwards, t- the two or the three instructors came up to me afterwards and said, uh, how did you know that was the only weak spot I had? <laughs> nice. He told me that when we were 16. Right. So I went back 20 years and I said, someone tells you their weakness, you don't forget it. Nope, you just go for it. You, that's that's but, uh, the Achilles heel of every. I mean, everybody's got one, right? Uh, so, ugh. But, uh, <sighs> she still doesn't know that that's, that was the only weakness. I never told her that. I just told her to go for the shot. But she got a great confidence boost from taking one of the instructors down. But Hey. I tell my students it's not the size of the bullet that kills you. You know, it's the energy and the focus. So yeah. we work a lot on body punching and we work on throwing in combinations, which a lot of karate studies aren't taught traditionally. It's like, you know, in the old days, they got to throw one punch because they were fighting armored samurai. So they had to throw that one Hail Mary punch. But, you know, here, volume punching, volume, volume, volume. So we never throw less than three punches at a time. And I have them doing a lot of drills that were developed through boxing, bobbing and weaving, you know, just things that are essential. I mean, the reality of self-defense has changed. We have, you know, closed-toed shoes on concrete. You know, we can grip better. We can turn all these kind of things. And people act like in the traditional martial arts world sometimes that if you teach updated fighting methods that you're betraying the art, you know, that you're betraying the legacy. And I tell people the legacy lives in the kata, the forms, the philosophy, that's, that's timeless. But how you yeah. fight, how you defend yourself, that should be evolving all the time where you're actually doing your service, a, you know, your students a disservice. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I got two of my little killing machines in with me right now, my daughter and my niece. That's right, my girlfriend, we're all sitting in this little room because it's, well, it's freezing cold to us in California. It's like 50 degrees. You, you're probably like, ha, 50. Well, <laughs> it gets... There's a heat wave here. <laughs> right. It gets cold in Ireland. I've, I've never been to Ireland, but I remember when I was in Italy, there was this one radio station that played opera. But then for some reason at 11 o'clock, it turned to Gaelic. And I'm thinking, uh, what is this language? They're like, this is Gaelic. I'm like, why? We're in Italy. But, you know, they're like, it was an Irish station. So... I remember listening yeah. to Gaelic going, I'm going to listen for one word. There's one part of this I'm going to be able to understand. It wasn't. <laughs> I, thought, well, I don't understand it either, so it's right. okay. <laughs> right. But they still teach it as a, as a first language in some, like out in kind of the rural provinces, right? It's in some very small areas they do, yeah. And there's a 
local school here that actually teaches it as a first language. Mm -hmm. and, uh, my three daughters go to that school, so they all speak fluently. Nice. Yet me and my wife don't. So, <laughs> but at the time when we sent them there, we didn't really think about it. But at the time they're teenagers. They're able to have discussions in the house without us knowing what they're talking about. We've <laughs> literally given them the, the upper hand here. But <laughs> That's right. It's, but, it's, uh, it's funny because in Massachusetts, in Boston, there's huge Irish communities where they still speak Gaelic like as their first language, I think. So in yeah. some places, it's probably a lot like rural Ireland. It's like, okay, everybody here speaks Gaelic first and then English. And, you know... Roman Catholic stuff and all that, so it's it's interesting to think that a place away from the mother land still has yeah. such fluency in a language that, you know, their generations removed from. So, so it's unbelievable. Ireland's one of the few places now that the culture is actually more popular outside of it than it does in it. Right. Right. Even right. Even at the, well, we've been which is the Irish stick fighting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's really, really rare to find it in Ireland. Yet it's all over the states, all over right. Canada. There's clubs in Germany. It's it's massive around the world outside of Ireland, but <laughs> not so much in Ireland. It's it's so unusual. The Irish language is more spoken outside of Ireland than it is in Ireland as well. Right. That's crazy. But it happens that way sometimes. Like um, like um, there's an art, an Indian art called Kalaripayatu. And they practice it in India, but it's losing popularity like Taekwondo and Karate, but in other places where they have significant Indian populations, it's still thriving, which is the funniest kind of thing. Like, why here and not there? But, you know, that's what keeps the world interesting, right? Yeah, that's it. Very there's, cool. there's a great uh, resurgence now of um, historical martial arts, too. I've noticed it's especially um, European arts and African arts. Mm-hmm come to a great sort of the rise now begin kind of thing and uh, I've came across a few recently now Glima would be one would be a Scandinavian martial art mm -hmm. it's very interesting now. it's very similar to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu but with a different rule set it's kind of a wrestling based right right but uh, it'd be great to see what the future holds for these and are they going to play their way into MMA or I think they should because people are so unprepared for that interpretation of grappling or that style of it. Um, like catch wrestling from Europe, you know, that's, that's some rough and tumble stuff. And it's like, it's not this smooth transitional stuff. It's like somehow they've got their elbow in your ear or their knee on your face. Like it hurts all the time wherever you go. You know, it's not this fluid flowing kind of thing. It's like beat them up regardless of what position you're in and you know make it so uncomfortable for them that they just move into your next submission hold or your next pin or whatever the case may be as you know europe's got a great history of grappling arts especially in um old uh like in the russian former russian republics those guys are yeah. animals you know they wrestle bears i mean <laughs> there should be something against That's that it's good. they wrestle bears khabib, so khabib has proved it so. khabib did it um there's that uh, Kamsat, that Chechenian guy. He's wrestled yeah. with you bears as a kid. It's like, do they have child protective services? I mean, <laughs> why, why are you rolling around with the bear, dude? I don't care if it's a little bear. It's a bear, you know. Those teeth aren't for yeah. show. So, you know, <laughs> it's, we'll see how it turns out. But 
I don't want to take up all your time. I know it's, is it 8.42 there or? Uh, 7.42. 7, okay, so okay, so we're eight hours ahead or behind you. It's only, a, you know, it's not even quite noon here yet. It's lunchtime, so. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate you, um, you know, uh, reaching back because this is the kind of stuff that I think martial artists need to do more of. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time. Uh, whenever you want to do this, this time works great for me usually, or I'm an early bird, so you know we could do that sometimes if you want, but I'd really like to continue uh, just discussing different martial arts topics, you know, and if you want to bring somebody yeah. by, you know, that'd be, that'd be great, so. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Anthony, and it was a pleasure being on. That's right, man. You uh, take care of yourself. Stay warm, stay safe, yeah. take care of your family. I'll um, see you later, man. You take it easy. Send yourself. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Okay. All right, folks. That was the end of my my uh, quick chat with Sensei Doyle. Um, hope you learned as much as I did. We'll be speaking more as you heard. Until then, I ch you guys take care of yourselves. Uh, check me out at martialartsoakland.com. I am on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter under Thomas Martial Arts. But by far the most important thing is always, please be kind to yourselves and each other.